Welcome back. This is part two of Buddhist books uh, chapter or whatever section, um, Pali scriptures, in which I read anything I can get my hands on having to do with Pali scriptures. That is to say the, uh, the earliest writings, the earliest Buddhist writings, the scriptures and commentaries on the scriptures from early times and yeah, yeah, more recent commentaries on those original scriptures. Anything to avoid uh, having to move on into the Lotus Sutra and Mahayana. Anyway, um, I'm trying to go by century, you know, starting with the earliest stuff. So I read Dhammapada. I don't know if Dhammapada was the earliest of the Theravadan uh, literature, but, you know, I'll uh, kind of do my best. Um, I thought it would be fun. The The room, I don't know if you can even see it, uh, but the room is filled with smoke. It's uh, There's a lot of incense going on in here right now. So I thought that might have an interesting visual effect. And because of necessity, um, the lighting is a little different. It's nighttime. Uh, maybe this is better. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, my, my electrical outlet is over here and my phones, one of them is the lighting and one of them is the camera, uh, are both uh, low on battery because I just sort of spontaneously decided to do this and so I didn't charge them as I normally would. Um, anyway, that's enough talking, I'd say. Yeah, you can see the smoke kind of hovering over here. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, so I just added a, a little bit more frankincense to the charcoal. Felt like frankincense today. I, I went to uh, the Tibetan refugee colony a few days ago and got four different kinds of, uh, of Tibetan incense. For example, Manjushri. Remember him, right? Um, from this brand. Not sure what that says, but it has Tibetan writing on it. So when I run out of incense, it's always a conundrum because I, I, I don't feel like I can throw it away because it has Tibetan writing. It probably just says, made in Tibet by Fred, you know, but it's, it's Tibetan writing, so to me it feels like scripture. <sighs> so, yeah, I thought I'd mention for people who are paying attention, um, personally, at this point, I'm discovering that I'm much more drawn to Theravada than Mahayana. Um, my, uh, I, I really fell in love with Dogen in around 2011 when I read Shobogenzo for the first time. Um, and my dad was into Nyingma Tibetan Buddhism by way of a, an Italian-American uh, whose family lived in Russia for a while, who was his guru. And uh, he had learned from a man, I believe, named Castaneda, but probably not the one you're thinking of, if you're thinking of one, who had learned from a man called the Tibetan, not the, not the one that was channeled by someone. I'm not familiar with all of that really sort of, I'll be nice, um, insert adjective here that you might use for people who channel books. Um, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm going for 
you know, the, the more solid stuff, but I'm a bit cult phobic um, because of my earlier life, which had more to do with Western esotericism. So, so I'm delving into uh, Eastern, but I'm not interested in, in having a guru or joining any groups. So I have sort of a sentimental uh, attachment, if you will, uh, speaking of Buddhism, what would Buddha say about that, uh, to, uh, to Tibetan Vajrayana. And, uh, a, and, and my mom was very into, as an architect, into the aesthetics of Zen Buddhism. And, uh, and I have a love of Japan. And so when I discovered Shingon, the Japanese version of Vajrayana, um, I was, of course, very interested. And when I found out that, uh, that uh, Kobodayashi, who, or Kukai, as he was known while he was alive, had gone to China and received the Vajrayana scriptures, Right around the same time that Vimala Mitra, who's over here, uh, had gone into uh, China with the Vajrayana scriptures, which was their introduction to the Vajrayana scriptures, I thought maybe they had met. I thought, you know, or, or at the very least, they knew the same people and they were in the same places at around the same time. He was uh, one of the guys that went along with Padmasambhava or right around that same time into Tibet. So there's like some direct connections there. Uh, of course, in Shingon, they'll be very quick to tell you that uh, that Shingon is different from Tibetan Buddhism. Yeah, that's true. But they're both Vajrayana Buddhism. Um, there's a term, the narcissism of small differences. I don't know if the, that specifically applies here, but you know how it is. When, when someone else is almost exactly like you, you tend to get hung up on the differences, right? So uh, from my perspective, since Vajrayana was all but wiped out or maybe completely wiped out, from India by the Mughal emperors um, when they took over, uh, then the only way to really know what was going on in India in as far as Buddhism in the 6th and 7th centuries and maybe before is to learn everything I can possibly learn about um, historical Tibetan Buddhism and learn everything I can possibly know about historical Shingon Buddhism of course, through the eyes of present day, because those are the only eyes we have. And then through triangulation, then I can ascertain what was going on, uh, you know, when my wife's ancestors were, uh, were hanging out in the same neighborhood as these weirdos. You know, I mean, I say that with all respect. I'm a big weirdo, if you haven't already figured that out. Um, so, yeah, so personally, my, my spiritual orientation, if you can call it that, was largely informed, as far as Buddhism goes, by Ehe Dogen and, and Zen, or Chan, but kind of through the eyes of Dogen, who was the point of the hourglass between Japanese Zen and Chinese Chan, um, which it gets confusing because they refer to all the, the, the masters of Chinese Chan as Zen masters, but Zen is the Japanese word for Chan. So, you know, in my mind, I, I differentiate between post-Dogen in Japan equals Zen, pre-Dogen and post-Dogen in China equals Chan. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the only one who does that. Um, incidentally, just in case you're curious, you know, I try not to make this all about me, but it tends to happen because I'm a big egomaniac. Um, uh, the, the, uh, in, in Dogen's Fukan Zazengi, he, he was talking about how the lotus position... Not the Lotus Sutra, but the Lotus position is, uh, you know, Padma, Padmasana. I'm so used to saying Padmasambhava, Padmasana. Um, lotus position is what that means, Lotus uh, pose. 
is the Buddha mind sealed? And a person who sits in Padmasana for a length of time will automatically attain nirvana. You don't need anything else. And wow, you know, but then at different points he says, well, you do need a master, but sometimes you don't. There are people who, you know, self-awakened ones, but it's rare. It's easier with a master. And it's like, yeah, okay, you know. Anyway, um, but anyway, I love Dogen. I love uh, Zen. And uh, I feel uh, fascinated by, and there's like a different part of my mind, the part that kind of like, you know, the dream part, sort of that Jungian realm of like uh, archetypes where archetypes and mystery overlap the realm of the gods and angels and spirits and ghosts and all of that stuff and uh and on that level i'm i'm fascinated by um, tibetan vajrayana buddhism and also the uh as i mentioned the sentimental attachment because of my dad and the uh, particular meditation that we performed every morning the prayer from which i i do at the end of these episodes eight minutes nine minutes it's too long edward um, so anyway, in this, in, in this uh, process of doing this, I decided because we were going to go to Bodh Gaya, her family's from that region, so uh, I thought that before going to Bodh Gaya, I wanted to hit these books, but knowing me, I uh, thought that the only way that I would, in a disciplined way, read these books is if I do it as a YouTube series, which is just my limitations as a human being. So if you're wondering, some people are like, so what is your goal in doing this? And it's like, well, that's, that's the goal is to read the books. You know, and if I talk 10 minutes out of the half an hour, then that means 20 minutes every day or every other day or however often I get to this. Sometimes I skip a few days to write a book. I write more than I read. Anyway, um, I'm not like bragging about that. I think it's a problem. But uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Is there anything else? Well, uh, no, not really. Um, so I'm going to get to pick up where I left off. Oh, if this is your first time seeing me, now that I've talked your ear off for 10 minutes, go ahead and click here instead and start with episode one of Dhammapada. And uh, I'll continue to read this until I just ordered some poly books. And uh, so when they arrive, I'll decide as we go whether I want to, you know, splice one in in the middle of this or if I want to read the whole thing and then get to those, probably the former, but we'll see how long they take to get here and all that. They're coming from England. Um, they were very difficult to find. I went on, uh, I went on, on Amazon, you know, uh, not to give a plug to old Bezos, but uh, anyway, I went on Amazon and I was like, oh, good. Oh, this is everything I'm looking for. Great, great. And I'm add to cart, add to cart, add to cart. And I'm like, and it's like, yeah, it's, a, it's all translated from Pali into Burmese. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't speak that. <laughs> and I, I remove everything from the cart and I did some research and I found this uh, organization in England that has all the translations and they'll send it directly. I had to become a member to get the 20% discount. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of books, so I'll probably have to rearrange that whole situation over there. And there may end up being an entire shelf just of Theravada. So I'm looking forward to that. That means it'll be a very long time before I have to read the Lotus Sutra again. Okay, picking up right where we left off. The Theravadan tradition tells of councils, or sangitis, being held to recite the canon of which the third was held in the time of Ashoka. So this is after uh, Buddha passed away. The monks that continued the practice that he taught them 
that they kept going, uh, presumably under Shariputra or Ananda, or one of them, and then the other one. Um, these are bits that you'll find, like reference made in Mahayana, that actually are are from Theravada, um, as opposed to a lot of the other things that are not. Um, but anyway like worship me and I have a lion throne that kind of thing maybe I'm wrong maybe I'll start reading Theravada and say oh oh there's a lion throne here I didn't realize okay but maybe not I'm thinking not um, anyway uh, what was I saying so yeah so after he passed away they uh, they kept the thing going and then of course it became a school and it became a little bit of a bureaucracy um, and so I guess it was about 300 years before Ashoka's time. So they had their second, sort of like the ecumenical councils that they had in, in the Catholic, the early Catholic Church um, around the time of Ashoka. And then, you know, it was another five or 600 years before. I mean, I, I can only speculate why, why they came up with Mahayana, you know, or what was going on there. It seems like it was like, okay, it's the new and improved, like, like Tron legacy, you know, like the sort of the trying to inject some, like maybe it was becoming less popular or it was becoming bored, people were bored with it. So someone was like, I have an idea. Let's, you know, give it a booster shot, a whole new, you know, Buddhism 2.0, you know, kind of thing, which, you know, I'll, I'll, again, I'll try to be more respectful about. But I think that if I have a very solid foundation in Theravada, then maybe I can move on into Mahayana. Or maybe not. Maybe we'll find out that I'm a Theravadan Buddhist after all. But not a monk. Again, this is just a costume. I mean, I wear it with respect, but I'm not a monk. I feel I should point that out. Okay, I'm talking too much again. <clears throat> um, and although the discrepancies with the northern tradition can't cast doubt upon this, there must have been gatherings of some sort where recitations took place. And the imprimatur of the sangha was bestowed sangha i guess would be like ecclesia or something the uh the, the community basically the buddhist community um, such councils would inevitably have led to a normalization of the language of the canon to a greater or less extent so we're still talking about the language of the canon basically we haven't really gotten into what it says we're just talking about the language that's fine. We spent two hours talking about how Manjushri remembered from former lives people giving Lotus Sutras in previous aeons, so eons, sorry, old habits. Uh, so we can deal with uh, a couple of episodes about this, I think. In my humble opinion, I mean, I'm the one making this, right? So, All right, since the normalized language was an ecclesiastical one, see, there we go. Uh, one uh, being recited by monks who probably spoke a variety of languages and dialects. There is no necessity to assume that it coincided exactly with any one particular spoken language. It has been uh, claimed in the case of Pali that there are that there are resemblances between it and the Girnar dialect of the Ashokan inscriptions. And also between it and the language of the Hathigumpha inscriptions. Pali must have been the language of one or other of these two areas. 
A careful examination of the language of these inscriptions shows that Pali is not identical with either of them, and there is, moreover, some doubt about the language of the Girnar version of the Ashokan inscriptions, since it is possible that it represents, in part at least, the scribe's attempt to convert the Eastern dialect he must have received from Psaliputra, or excuse me, Paliputra, Pat. Pataliputra, sorry, um, and I'm sure I butchered that translation, but at least I got all the letters in there this time, um, into what he thought was appropriate to the region in which the edict was being promulgated. There's a word I don't use every day. Rather than the actual dialect of that region. I should start trying to work it into conversation. Hey, are you promulgating? Promulgating? Have you been promulgating lately? Nah, anyway, um, The language of the Hathagumpha inscription, although it agrees with Pali in the retention of most intervocalic, I can't, I'm sorry, I, uh, I went with my friend Yogesh. Hi, Yogesh, are you watching this? Um, anyway, I went with him and a few others uh, a few years ago, four years ago now, a little over four years ago, I think, um, to to the uh, the old caves outside of Pune, where there's Ashok era, uh, there's a stupa in there, and there's inscriptions that I believe the inscriptions they're talking about right now. So I'm going to put some of that footage at the end of this video. Um, and I, I was like, what does that say? I mean, of course, I knew that they wouldn't know. And they were like, oh, I, I can't read that. <laughs> I wouldn't have expected them to. It looks nothing like Hindi or Sanskrit or, or anything that... Uh, exists today but uh, hopefully they'll be you know yeah i think if if not uh part of a video there's got to be a photograph that i'll do a, a zoom in on at the end of this video and I'll, I'll cut the video a little bit before half an hour so that those two or three minutes uh don't push it up to 35 minutes like i like the last one because i try to keep them around half an hour um yes uh the retention of most intervocalic Consonants and in the nominative singular in suffix o nevertheless differs in that the absolutive ending is suffix parentheses t and parentheses t a with a line over it. All right, uh, and with two doubtful exceptions, there are no consonant groups containing r. <clears throat> While it is not impossible that there existed in India in the 3rd century BC, or BCE, if you're into that sort of thing, uh, an unattested dialect of Middle Indo-Aryan, which had all the features of Pali, the fact that some of the consonant clusters found in Pali are unhistoric and must therefore represent incorrect attempts at back formation. Ooh, have you been... Uh, have you been... Uh, promulgating back formation lately. Uh, I'm going to start asking that on the street out here in uh, New Delhi, see what people say. Anyway, um, back formation, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, E.G., is that... Oh, yeah, so I'm just showing my ignorance here. I'm reading a very scholarly academic book, but I'm the sort of guy that plays Zelda Breath of the Wild all day and then every once in a while says, Honey, I'm going to go record Buddhist books for half an hour. 
that's my life. That's that's what you that's what you're seeing. That's what you're not seeing in the background. Wow, that smoke has a nice effect. I think I might do that again. Uh, I'm like crisp in the foreground. Maybe it's the lighting and the smoke. All right. Anyway. Um, okay. So e.g. disva, right? Which cannot be from durstva. People who actually know this stuff, I'm sure, are cringing right now. Um, and atraja, which cannot be from atmaja. Um, makes it more likely that by the 3rd century BC, the dialect of the canonical texts of the Theravadins conformed to the general pattern of Middle Indo-Aryan dialects at the time. Right? Obviously, I guess. Um, and all... Uh, not obviously at all. And all consonant clusters had either been assimilated or resolved. It is probable that this represented the form of the language of the Theravadan canon at the time of the reign of Ashoka, which was perhaps the lingua franca. <laughs> they're saying it too. Um, I was saying it kind of as a joke, but they're saying it seriously. Uh, uh, for those who don't know, that's like a term which means like the language that everybody speaks. So lingua franca like, is French for the French language, isn't it? Or is it Latin? For the French language, referring to places where everybody speaks French, naturally there are probably it's probably more uh, accurate, I guess, to say the English language because I'm pretty sure that in the end, more people ended up speaking English than French. I mean, it's it, it's not good uh, either way. I mean, maybe it's a I mean that's a debate, right? But. Nobody really is having that debate these days, but you can see old black and white footage of people having that debate. Is it good or not that everybody has a common language in the world because of colonialism? You know, I mean, eh, generally people don't consider colonialism to be a good thing these days, right? I don't. But it is convenient, I admit, that so many people in India speak English because it makes it easy enough for me to go do things here and there without Priyal having to translate everything. All right. Mm -hmm. um, which I feel bad about. Don't get me wrong. I feel terrible. I used to feel more terrible, but I got used to it. I'm just being honest here. Um, things kind of are the way they are, you know? Like, when you're a little kid, when you're six and seven years old in school, and they tell you about the genocide of the Native Americans and slavery and all this stuff, you feel terrible. You feel really bad. And into your teenage years and into your early 20s, you feel bad. And then you kind of still feel bad when you're 40, but it's not quite as much as when you were seven, you know? And uh, though some of my ancestors were the British that colonized the... Uh, the, the New World, that they now call the United States of America, and they were cousins of the British that colonized India. Like, the situation with India doesn't feel as personal to me as if I go to, like, downtown Los Angeles and see, you know, a lot of African-American people displaced and homeless and that kind of thing. That feels like... I should do something about it, and you know, not not like bragging here, but I, I worked with the uh, those Mother Teresa nuns, the missionaries of charity, and cooked and did a lot of 
gathering donations and stuff like that to go around and try to at least give people food, you know, not like helping people get jobs or anything, but other people were doing that. Um, and uh, I don't know. When I see uh, abject poverty, I don't know. You know, there's a process that goes on. Does it go on for you too? People get uncomfortable when I talk about this because everybody kind of thinks about it, but nobody talks about it um, except for the people that do. And usually those people are angry and sometimes self-righteous. Like people get on kind of a high horse about judging everybody else for the systemic imbalance in the world, but they're doing it from a position of privilege. So I don't know. Is it even something that can be fixed or talked about? Or, you know, like sometimes in, in private conversations with, with my friends who also lean left, uh, you know, we try to brainstorm about, okay, you know, like Maoist revolution doesn't work very well. Stalinist revolution doesn't work very well. Um, the fight club scenario is dated and Mr. Robot, you know, th th that scenario doesn't work very well. And while it seemed for a minute between 2009 and 2011, like there was some kind of hacker army that was going to save everybody, it turns out that's not the case. And, you know, some of them are working for Russia, some of them are working for the U.S. government, some of them are working for corporate America, and then the rest of them kind of like are divided between the people who care, the people who don't care, and the people who care are actually a very small minority. Um, it, everybody got on board with let's attack Scientology. Everybody got on board with let's attack Iran. It seems now from, uh, from what I'm seeing on YouTube is uh, a lot of the kind of really, really skilled hackers in America are, are enjoying themselves uh, by, by harassing and terrorizing the, uh, the, the, the Indian con artists that are, you know, I mean, the, the, the companies that try to scam people calling old ladies and saying, hey, you know, I'm calling from Social Security and we need all your information and then, haha, I got your money. Um, so they, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you should kind of poke at those people, but it's like... <sighs> Layers of problematicness, you know? I mean, some of the hackers, it's like, okay, they're really good hackers. They're, they're watching through the security camera, the guy that they're, that they're pretending to be an old lady and talking to and letting, them get, letting, letting themselves get ripped off and only to turn it around on them at the last minute and delete all their files and say, ha-ha, you know, and make them poo their pants and, and tell them they ought to be ashamed of themselves and go get another job. And then everybody laughs and feels happy. How much of that is racism, you know, like kind of in disguise or not so in disguise, but then the hackers will like, you know, speak Hindi, you know? So then it's like, Oh, well, if he speaks Hindi, he must not be racist. I don't know. I don't know why I'm talking about this stuff. I just decided to start free associating maybe because I got bored with <laughs> what I'm reading. But uh, what I'm reading isn't actually the Pali uh, scriptures. What I'm reading is, uh, you know, I think I, I got through a paragraph of uh, this textbook about the Pali scriptures. Um, we'll pick up where we left off next time. And, uh, you know, this just how this series is going to go. It's going to go on for a very long time with a lot of episodes. And if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. And then... Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with whether you enjoy, you know, my voice and personality and face or whatnot, um, which, yeah, well, thanks, you know, if you do and uh, screw you if you don't. No, I'm, I'm only kidding. I love everybody. 
Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of problems in the world. And uh, Buddhism isn't necessarily the solution to the systemic inequality and racism and war. We've got war happening now. I haven't mentioned it. My God, that whole situation with Russia and Ukraine and senseless death and... Anyway, <clears throat> and yeah, it's just as shitty as when America does it. It's true. And America does it more often. That's also true. That doesn't excuse Russia, though, right? Are we on the same page with that at all? No? Or are you on that Trump QAnon bandwagon saying Russia and you know, Putin is going to save Ukraine from child molesters and, and all this? Like... <sighs> It's infuriating. Okay, so um, yeah, we didn't get anywhere. I don't feel any more enlightened after this episode, um, uh, but that's okay, I think, because that's not that's not what this show is about. Um, this show is a scholarly uh, pratya, pratyeka Buddha sutrayana um, intellectual yogi uh, attempt at getting nowhere by way of uh, books. So. Anyway, uh, right? That's, that's in, right there in the mission statement. There's no mission statement. Um, so, okay, we're coming up on 30 minutes. So I'm going to do the prayer and then show you some um, images from near Pune, which is near uh, Mumbai, which you older folk would know as Bombay. Uh, my dad went to Bombay back in the 60s. I think it was 60... I don't know which year. But anyway... Um, there's a movie uh, that's coming out. I'll go ahead and point to it. I don't remember the name of it, but it takes place in Bombay in the 1960s, so I'm very interested in seeing it, just because I know that like, if it were really Bombay in the 60s, that my dad and my grandma would be walking around in the background somewhere. Um, so that's fun. And uh, so I'll do the prayer, and then I'll show you the, uh, the images of the, where there were monks back in Ashoka's day, back in the time period that we were talking about briefly today. Um, you can see what that looks like with tourists, you know, walking around in it. But, you know, you can still kind of get a feel for it. And you can see the stupa. As I mentioned, if you were following the Lotus Sutra stuff before I took it off the playlist, uh, the stupa represents the mind of the Buddha. And back in the day, people would, uh, you know, walk around three times and bow to it as part of their Buddhist practice. Um, and then, yeah. So what else? Um, and you'll see some of that writing. You'll see some of the... I'll, I'll, I'll throw in a picture of me meditating in one of the cells that one of the, monk, one of the monks would have stayed in. Um, at that same site, that 2,300-year-old Buddhist cave-dwelling, you know, uh, site commissioned by the king at the time. So we, the reason we love King Ashok, um, maybe he was Mag, Magdali, Mag, whatever that was that I was mispronouncing last time, um, the Mauryan kings or something like that, uh, that... They, took, they were one of the guys that took over most of India <clears throat> during their day, I think, maybe, uh, if they're the same as Ashok. I haven't looked into that yet. Um, 
But yeah, he he felt bad about all the violence from you know his own taking over India, and so he decided to become devoutly Buddhist and reject violence and killing of all kinds, and then to uh, to promulgate Buddhism all over India and beyond into China. There's uh, there's Ashok pillars in present day China that were built in the time of Ashok, commissioned by Ashok. Um, or Ashoka, Ashoka, or you know, they, they do, the A is silent usually. So yoga is how you actually say yoga. So you know if someone's uh, from India or not based on how they say it. Although there's some backflow where there's like Westernized yoga in India now, and I'm going to try to do something about that by reading these black books, and then the red book, and then the Serpent Power, and then the Psychology of Kundalini, and then a proper translation of that uh, document, and then I can you know, have more pinpoint accuracy as to the actual influence that Jung had on the uh, the introduction of the chakras and the kundalini to the West. And then I can uh, start to... Anyway, I've talked too much, and this is going to be 35 minutes again, isn't it? Let's do the prayer, and then I'll show you the, uh, show you the, uh, the caves. All right. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us, and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Thank you for going on this ride with me. Until next time. Sambayuta Dhamma Vipaka